0: Hello, this is Nick Holland with Information Security Media Group, and I'm joined today by Jonathan Wen, who is VP Strategy and Analytics at Fortinet. Jonathan, thanks for joining me. Hey, it's great to be here. Good. Well, Jonathan, we had a few weeks ago, um, we did a roundtable dinner discussion in Philadelphia. Uh, the title of that was Getting Cyber Right Towards a Reasonable Level of Care. So first question for you then, what, what, what is a reasonable level of care in cybersecurity?
1: Sure, so reasonable level of care, the origins of that go back to the earliest questions we've had in security, which is, you know, am I secure? Have I spent enough on security? Am I compliant? Is compliance security? And the answer to all that is that it depends. In many ways, what's come to light is that compliance alone does not mean secure. Uh, And and in the aftermath of some very large incidences at at Equifax, uh, at OPM, and other enterprise level uh, breaches It's widely now considered that compliant doesn't mean secure. And that when you take a look at the emergency, uh, emerging rather, uh, frameworks and regulations and best practices, things like the NIST CSF, things like GDPR, things like the California Consumer Privacy Act, things like the New York State Financial Regulations Part 500, they all contain uh, the, the term of our reasonable level of care or reasonable level of due care. Uh, which is based upon an uh, English common law standard of what would a reasonable person do uh, given the set of facts that he or she is aware of. And so when it comes to security, I think uh, that, that given the level of complexity in the threat environment today, the question of whether there will be a data breach is more of an inevitability rather than a possibility. So therefore, the real question that the boards and, and other leaders need to be aware of is that have they implemented a reasonable level of care in the identification and management of risk? And, and that is a phrase that is found increasingly common across all those regulatory standards. So if it, we've gone from uh, security being a prevention-oriented um, approach to one basically around risk management. And so given that you you know that the breach is almost an inevitability, have you taken a reasonable level of care in implementing processes and technologies to identify and and manage risk. And so that's what we're seeing today as an emerging standard uh, in governance. And it's interesting that um, we had 100% agreement across all the CSOs and and CISOs uh, at that dinner table.
0: One other point that was brought up at the dinner, we went through quite a lot of points, but the discussion of zero trust, that came up as an area of interest amongst a number of people who are in the room. So just going to ask you, I mean, based on uh, the, the dinner, but also more generally, is, you know, do you consider zero trust a reasonable expectation?
1: You know, I, I think it is. And, and the reason I say that is that one of the recommendations that came after the Office of Personnel Management breach was a recommendation that the U.S. government implement zero trust strategies. And zero trust is founded back in 2009. In essence, it says the traffic inside the perimeter should be trusted no more than traffic outside the perimeter and that uh, what we're trying to achieve by implementing zero trust uh, strategies is that you know all requests for network access are authenticated, they're validated, and continuously logged and monitored. Um, and so whether you have an, an integrated, broad, and automated solution that really allows you to understand all of the requests for network access. So it is a reasonable expectation. What is even more practical is the ability to ensure that at least zero trust are your most critical processes, but zero trust is only reasonable if you do have something that's integrated, broad, and automated. If you approach zero trust in a piecemeal, point-defense fashion, then I don't think it's going to be a reasonable expectation. In fact, in many cases, um, you know, it's worse to have a plan and not have an ability to implement and execute that plan in a very effective manner.
0: Very good. And then just one final question, then. What what were your key takeaways from the roundtable discussion, Jonathan?
1: You know, I thought it was pretty interesting. um, uh, When we went around the table, we all had scars. We had scars from (laughs) security incidents. We had scars from well-meaning people who did very silly things that led to security incidences. We had a lot of nods around uh, the complexity of trying to manage security uh, and resilience in the face of human, um, you know, Benevolent actors, malicious actors, uh, mechanical issues, uh, complexity across the board and everything from technology to processes. And, and I, we got about 100% agreement that the object of the exercise in security moving forward really is about implementing a reasonable level of care in managing risk. The challenge and most interesting insight across that was that um, while that was universally agreed upon by the CSOs and the CSOs and security professionals around the table, not one person could point to their board and say that their leadership and their board had also accepted zero, zero trust and a reasonable level of care as things that their organization should, should uh, achieve. Right. Uh, and in fact, when, when we, I asked, you know, so how do you define what the object is of the exercise in security in your organization? The answers range wildly. Uh, some folks said it, it, it's about keeping the business open. Uh, and about being able to absorb the, the disruptions associated with security incidents to maintain operations. Um, but not one person could say that their boards really understood reasonable care and that their organization was going to be monitored and managed and judged by a reasonable level of care. And that's quite striking because when you look at the outside world and the third parties involved, whether they're stakeholders or, or large inv- investors in that organization or their public, the public at large, they are all increasingly judging the ability of an enterprise to manage security and resiliency around a reasonable level of due care. Uh, I think the questions that are that are often af- asked after a data breach in my experience is never really about whether you're compliant or not, because once you've been breached, once you've been damaged, once your stakeholders have been compromised, it's almost an academic point whether you're compliant or not. In fact, the vast majority of, of of financial services that were affected by an incident were PCI compliant as well So it shows that there are there are weaknesses in comp- using compliance as a standard What really is asked after a data breach is what did you know? When did you know it and what did you do about it? And and the underlying Assessment of those three questions is that is that reasonable? You know, given that you know that security breaches are inevitable.
0: Well, well Jonathan I want to thank you very much for being the subject matter expert at this specific roundtable but also for your time today um, that's Jonathan Wynn of Fortinet and for Information Security Media Group, I'm Nick Holland.